1: Hello darlings all, welcome to this Monkey Kingdom, an Acast production of Tom Reed Wilson has Words With. My fellow word charterer today is almost more of a lexical wrestler than lexical explorer. We've had several lovely wrestles together on Celebrity Best Home Cook where we met. Ed Byrne doesn't just have a funny bone, but an entire funny skeleton. He's also a great cinephile or lover of the cinematic arts, and we would while away hours playing Six Degrees of Separation via co-stars. Now, getting from Margaret Rutherford to Tom Cruise is no walk in the park. Authoring Ed's bespoke poem was a true labor of love. If anyone deserves a fanfarinade, it's him. Here's my ode to Ed. he once christened me etymology boy the superheroes also ran but his superhero would have to have the appellation laughter man after the very first lockdown we met i hadn't lifted weights in weeks But after a mere five minutes with him, boy, did I feel my obliques, firing off harpoon-like wit from that pretty countenance befreckled. It sits on his cortex, ready to pounce, so woe betide you if you've heckled. So let's click the hyperlink pronto, I think. This oral fanfare's made me yearn To have my chum restored to me now My laughter man, the great Ed Byrne Oh,
2: that's that's even better than the poem my sister wrote as the introduction to my stand-up show.
1: Oh, well, that is high praise indeed, darling.
2: She wrote like a, I have this music that's like a madrigal. The show's called If I'm Honest, and she did a, now comes to town a traveling bard, whose mother named him Edward, With wondrous tales of deeds absurd, the witch claims he he hath observed amongst his family, friends, and neighbors, and formed them into the japes and capers. He lays before you all this night to bring you mirth and full delight. Wherefore now take your seats, and keep such comfort as ye can. Comes he hither to amuse ye
1: a jester,
2: a fool, an honest man.
1: Oh, I say, no, I have to say, I think that your sister has trumped me there. I think that is absolutely dazzling. It
2: works very well as the opening to the show. I'll say.
1: Oh, well, if you ever need a, a, a understudy bard, then I'm always available.
2: <laughs> Especially for you. Toby Wilson, always available. <laughs>
1: It's a funny thing because with our chumship, one of our very first bondings was over words. And this is a kind of a word-centric podcast. And what I remember is that we were in this very intense filming schedule for Celebrity Best Home Cook. Mm -hmm. And so you were missing your spouse a bit. And I would trot out phrases like... Wreck of the Hesperus? Wreck of the Hesperus. <laughs> Which you had only ever... Only ever heard my <laughs> wife say. So in a way it was like a mild tonic I suppose.
2: Yeah, it was surprising <laughs> the amount of things that you would come out with that would remind me of my wife. <laughs> but the Wreck of the Hesperus was a classic one. I remember saying it to my little brother. It's that She keeps saying, you know, she goes, oh my god I look like the Wreck of the Hesperus. I have no idea what the Wreck of the Hesperus looks like but I imagine it's a
1: slightly dishevelled middle-aged woman. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but I was a stonking great fan of your stand-up before we ever met and, you know, I fell in love with you in person. And your stand-up is liberally strewn with the most imaginative coinings and imagery. I'm thinking, for example, what resembles the pink balloon knot? (laughs) My
2: cat. My cat backing towards me, showing me it's a <laughs> balloon knot. Yeah. I can't really lay c- claim to referring to the uh, sphincter as a balloon knot. Uh, I think that's the one that just stuck in my head. <laughs> one <laughs> phrase I did coin, though, was talking about uh, emos. Oh. Dates, this is from 10 years ago. I said, uh, collected now from us a mood of goths. Oh. It was an isobar of emos an <laughs> isobar because, because they're linked <laughs> by their depression. <laughs>
1: Oh, I love that. Oh, I love the collective nouns. My favourite of all is flamboyance of flamingos. Yes. Is it a dazzle of zebras? Oh, gosh, I don't know that one. I know all the famous ones like Parliament of Owls. But... A bitch of comedians. <laughs> I think <laughs> But you have these wordy wrestles from time to time. And what I love about them is that you kind of you almost don't give them any time. They're kind of almost throwaway. I mean, I remember you doing a bit. You said something about an airport and then you said, oh, by the way, that's an annoying misnomer, isn't it?
2: Yes. You always say I, I was at the airport like there's only one airport, which, <laughs> let's face it, would be pointless.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and we used to have etymological wrestles, which is how I got my nickname. <laughs> etymology boy. We're a superhero. But I, well, it
2: was nice to meet somebody who knew even more, because I like to think of it as a bit of a hobby of mine, but you were uh, a, a mine of information.
1: You taught me about heckling and the etymology of that. Can you tell us about that?
2: I think it's, I believe it's a sort of a comb, um, that was used to detect, you know, flaws or weaknesses in a yarn. You know, and you you sort of brush the yarn with this, and 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 so yes. the, that's where the term heckle comes from, as it meaning to find fault rather than to to publicly humiliate or whatever. It wasn't like that. That was never the point of heckling. The point was simply to, the point was finding fault.
1: I see. So it's almost like the the verbal version of a fine tooth comb, really. Exactly. Well, Donning, this mind that's Mm. dancing with, with imagery and coinings, I'd love to find out what the early influences on it were as we get regional with Ed Byrne.
2: Those ones I'm sure you'd know that are Irish in nature. For instance, I've done it I've used like incorrect. I've used the word like instead of saying for instance there. That's <laughs> Miriam Margulies would be down at me like a ton of bricks for that one. Oh. Well, is it like that? Or is it that? <laughs> There's a bunch of, uh, of of phrases that are in the English language that have come from Irish. Some have come specifically from Irish, and some have come from Irish and Scots Gaelic or Gaelic. The term it is good, yes. which in Irish is is my shin, is being IS means um, is my. M-A-I-T-H meaning good, shin meaning that. So that's just the order to, that is good, is my shin yes. got uh, anglicised to smashing.
1: Oh my! So it's a, it's a whole phrase that's been contracted.
2: Yeah. And I always think it sounds so English when people the, the, using smashing to mean good. It sounds like spiffing, you know, doesn't it? a like, oh, smashing. Yes. It sounds like such <laughs> an English thing to say that it's, for it, it to be derived from Irish is, uh, I think is interesting. Well,
1: I remember Angela Scanlon, who was our very first guest on this show, saying that it's really funny how we've sort of misinterpreted the Irish grand. Oh yeah. Because she said really grand is just sort of fine. It's sort of, it's it's possible, you know, <laughs> it's not grand. I had a bit about that for
2: years because about the fact that, you know, in Ireland, if you're not even that well maybe you're hung over have the flu and it's like how are you <coughs> grand so uh based on that i was expecting the grand canyon to be to be quite the letdown but oh. actually grand canyon is it's really i think it should be called the awesome Canyon. <laughs> oh he snorts ladies and gentlemen Do you, does your producer does oh, your producer
1: sorry. edit out your snorts she's nodding <laughs> she yes <does. laughs> now Tony, speaking of etymology and irish gaelic you're from the town of swords yes. and it's spelt these days like the blade but actually that's from irish gaelic meaning pure s-o-r-d meaning pure because of the holy well In
2: column kill as well yeah
1: well i mean it's very fitting considering that you know i think ed Burton, i think purer than the driven yeah <laughs> yes
2: i am the, uh, the the human embodiment of purity aren't i <laughs> <laughs> you, you aren't. remember when we worked together my body was a temple alcohol would not pass my lips <laughs> Yes,
1: <laughs> never an Anglo-Saxon four-letter word, no. I mean, honestly, I really had to mind my P's and Q's in front of you.
2: No, it, that's true, that's true, it, 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 it comes from that and it comes from the, 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 a well and the well is still there. Oh, I see. There's a well, it's still in town, this well of, of Columhill, but it's like, it's down our little back alley and got a, it's behind a gate and it's considering it's the place that the entire town is named after, it's surprisingly buried. Gosh.
1: my mother was great
2: i would watch comedians like she they would come and visit me at the edinburgh fringe festival particularly and i'd watch world class comics sit and just listen to her talk and i've seen you know like top quality tv comics from america australia england you know just get up at, at the end of the night and just like just go by the way I-
1: You've an amazing turn of fries.
2: You know, it's, <laughs> she's a very entertaining woman.
1: Well, one of them that you told me about, which I adore, is even the dogs won't, won't lick, lick your, your blood. blood. Yes, I just thought everybody's mother says this to them. Never heard anyone
2: anyone ever say it other than my mother. And it's that she. It's, it was basically a threat. For if you didn't If you did something wrong She had two One was The dogs won't lick your blood So for instance If I if I come back in this room And you're not dressed and ready for school The dogs won't lick your blood <laughs> Meaning I will slaughter you Leave your body in the streets And you will be so frowned upon By the by society That even the dogs Won't lick the blood off the streets
1: Because they will know They
2: will know That you <laughs> Did not get ready for school At the appointed time <laughs>
1: <laughs> dogs yes. are all about punctuality <laughs> Yes, these yeah. very sage canines <laughs> Yeah,
2: the dogs won't lick your blood And also that'll be the rock you'll perish on
1: Oh, I see
2: Which you'd use in, in pretty much the same context
1: Ah, yeah.
2: I see I always picture it as like falling down a hill And then the rock, the final rock that you hit That you died on Like this draw ah. that broke the camel's back Would be this last thing of You, you left your dirty undies on the floor again And that oh, was I the see. rock you'll perish <laughs> on
1: and that wasn't ubiquitous in, in, in Dublin, that was another one of hers. No,
2: I never heard anybody else use it. She was quite good at trying to incorporate sort of cinematic language.
1: Oh, the queer giraffes. Yes,
2: there was the time when there was a guy who showed up dead in a suitcase in the Grand Canal in Dublin, the Grand Canal, you know, cause it's just an okay canal. <laughs> and he was obviously chopped up, put in a suitcase. And so, obviously, it was some gangland affair. This was not a crime. It was doubtful that this was a crime of passion uh, or a burglary. It was obviously some sort of gangland thing. But my mother, she just went, well, he must have sold somebody queer giraffes. (laughs) Which, which I understood the moment she said it. It's a, it's a gladiator reference. It's, it's a line Oliver Reed said to Ahmed Jalili. Because right. Ahmed Jalili, whose character sold Russell Crowe to, to, uh, to Oliver Reed, also sold him a load of giraffes that Oliver Reed was complaining weren't breeding. They, he sold him a couple of breeding pairs of giraffes and they weren't breeding. And he was convinced that it was because the giraffes were gay. And he grabs he grabs Ahmed Jalili's balls and goes, You sold me queer giraffes! <laughs>
1: which may well have been the last line he ever uttered.
2: I love those uh, sort of pop culture references. A friend of mine, um, author, Scottish author, Christopher Brookmyre, he was talking about like amongst his friends, they would use the term for somebody in a film or even maybe in real life, somebody who was going to die. They'd say, oh yeah, he's he's wearing a red jumper, which is a Star Trek reference. Because in Star Trek, you know, it was it was it was, it was, it was like a bit that Eddie Murphy even used to do, that when you beam down onto the planet, the guy who you've never seen before, who's wearing a red jumper, is always the first to die. <laughs> that then leaked into their vernacular. How is he? He's wearing a red jumper.
1: Donnie, at this juncture, we do a little bit of quickfire translation. Would you be able to help me in that department? Fingers on buzzers. <laughs> <laughs> here's another irish word
2: yes. smithereens. smithereens smithereens and it's just this there isn't i don't have a great it's not like it's my shin where there's a nice neat story of how it got anglicized smithereens is just the irish word for very small pieces Smitherini.
1: ah i see and it was one of those things where we'd sort of hear it and then slightly mutate it and then it would become part of our lexicon. And
2: there's also things like whiskey, which actually just means water. Yeah. The Irish or Scots for, for whiskey is ischkebaha, which means water of life. And that just gets shortened from to, to ishka, which just means water. So, whiskey just comes from the Irish or Scots for water.
1: How do you have yours? Neat. It depends on the strength, Tom. <laughs> what about, I think I'm going to butcher this now, Miss Oncoli? Oh, that's, oh
2: yes, my hon Colleen, it means good girl, it, again this is M-A-I-T-H, my hon Colleen means good girl, and that, this is a very Dublin thing, was was shortened to moth for your girlfriend, and so your girlfriend would be, and I, I seem to remember it being really popularised by Phil Linnet of Thin Lizzy, I know he used to use it quite a lot, and like anything else, even though it's it's root, it basically is a translation of the word good, it was always considered a very derogatory term when we were growing up for your girlfriend, me mat. And women, you know, generally were, did not care for being referred to as "Have your girlfriend, not your mott. Mott
1: almost sounds a bit like moll, a bit like a gangster. Yes. <laughs> mob. I can see it. Yeah. Slightly yeah. derogatory. Obviously,
2: we had a bunch of them growing up. I think one of the most classic Dublin words, you hear it a little bit in the rest of Ireland, but it's very much a Dublin word, is um, our slang term for vagina was gee. G-double-E. <gasps> oh.
1: That must be from now.
2: I would only, I would have thought so, but yeah. So that would be, and then from there you've got various different terms, such as to be really drunk would be to be gee eyed oh. <laughs> I know. It's a, and then, uh, and then, and then for somebody, somebody who has sex, a, a girl who is known to perhaps have sex with you would be known as someone who does the gee. Oh, yeah.
1: I see. Very oh. childish
2: kind of um, yes. Does does your does your boss do the gee? Would be perhaps a phrase you would ask your. Your, your friend.
1: What about comedy chops?
2: Well, I mean, chops, I, I think in, 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 in comedy, we have a tendency to, in order to just make ourselves feel a bit more rock and roll, we have a tendency, tendency to steal from the vernacular of jazz and, and rock and roll. So you would refer to somebody who really had funny bones or had a great skill as, uh, yeah, he has great comedy chops. But yes, that is definitely yes. a jazz term for someone who, who who knew their
1: onions. Yes. And I know that you've said before that things like the gig and the set and yeah. the routine are all really borrowed from the music realm as well. We
2: have certain terms in comedy that are maybe applied. We You know, people other people will use the word, but we, I think we apply it slightly differently. I think, for instance, uh, hack. <gasps> yes. The hack. Is a is a tends to be a slang word for a journalist. We would use it very much to describe a crowd pleasing, unoriginal sort of comedian.
1: Well, you know they are tied together because the provenance of the journalistic hack is actually the hackney cab. Ah, I thought it might have been to hack away at a typewriter. Then no, a the you'd think so. You'd think so, but because all the carriages were stationed in Hackney, you would hail a hackney cab, and that notion of Something that got you from A to B but with no bells and whistles would just sort of do the job. Right. And I guess that then in turn applies to comedy, the comedy hack. Right. I'm going to round off with one final burnism, which I think was my favourite from from your stand-up. Have you been drinking your own ink? The, the people who make invitations
2: for weddings, for a wedding 150 people were coming to you, they wanted to charge you £1,700. And it was great because the audience would go, oh, I go, yes! Did you hear that? <laughs> I wish the guy was here now to hear you make that noise. <laughs> £1,700, are you
1: fucking uh, high? Have you been drinking your own ink? <laughs> I think that is the best description of madness. <laughs> Have you been drinking your own ink? <laughs> There's a wonderful line in Mrs. Henderson Presents with Judy Dench. She's trying to figure out what to do as a widow. And Thelma Barlow's character says to her, "Oh, you could take up tapestries. And she said, I'd sooner drink in
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yes.
1: Well, my mother's
2: one was always I'd rather eat Coke, <laughs> which I never understood because I only knew Coke as a, a drink, not a form of a fossil fuel. <laughs> I'll tell you another one of my mother's ones. Now, I never met a gin I wouldn't lick off a sore leg. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I think the most delicious thing is when frames of reference Meet in the middle, and we're proof of that, aren't we, darling? <laughs> Wildly divergent, but we can do it. And you look totally unlike the wreck of the Hesperus today, Dad. Oh, I
2: look like the wreck of the Hesperus.
1: I've missed that
2: beautiful <laughs> countenance of yours,
1: from which such filth
2: proceeds. Bro, oh, I was just talking about you <laughs> to somebody the other day. With, we don't you love him? He'll never say the word poor. He'll only say
1: penurious. <laughs> 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 Well, darling, thank you for the riches of this episode. And I love you so. I'd like to speak to you.
2: I must drag you up a hill on one of my adventurings soon.
1: Yes, I can't wait to mount a tour with you. (laughs) (laughs) Straddle a saddle. My bonus word this week is misnomer literally meaning misnamed from the Latin nomen, meaning name. Ed said airport was a misnomer because there's never just one port for aircraft. It had never even occurred to me. Well, it's time for me to sprout wings now. If you enjoyed Ed, other stars from the comic Astral Plane include Jennifer Saunders, Alan Carr and Keith Lemon.